Thanks for joining us for the Exchange Church Podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Trey Rose. All right. Hey, let's give it up for Jesus this morning. He deserves a lot more than that. Come on. There we go. Greg, I enjoyed your, your story about the raspberry. It was very good. Uh, my wife is not here this morning. And my daughter and she and my mother-in-law went to North Carolina. Uh, speaking of North Carolina, let's welcome our online congregation all the way from Redding, California, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Lake Cheney, Kansas, McKinney, Killeen, Sandy, Austin, and Round Rock, Texas, all over Texas, actually. Let's make them welcome. So glad that you're here. Uh, my wife went to be with Grandma Hawker. Do you remember Grandma Hawker? She was here during Flawless one time, the older lady, uh, very uh, full of energy and life. Uh, she is in hospice, was transferred to hospice this week, and Carrie is getting to spend some time with her. She is um, awake, just not responsive, if that makes sense. I, well, she's responsive. She just can't talk or communicate, but she can smile. And they've been singing hymns. Uh, to Grandma Hawker, and she's been getting this big smile on her face. And so be in prayer over them. Uh, it could be a couple of weeks still, uh, but just praying that there's peace in the room and that our family make it back safely. I appreciate that. Uh, as Greg mentioned, next week is Cinco de Mayo, and we're having chips and salsa. I'm excited about that. There, there is a possibility that we have a mariachi band we're trying to secure that. <clears throat> but just, you know, I know Latinos, so I need to make an announcement here. Uh, the party will not last eight hours, okay? I know how you guys like to get together and it goes all night long. I love it. I love it. I love it, but no. Uh, we're going to have church and then bye. You're going to go to Chewy's or whatever. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Speaking of next week, I have a book that I've been reading and it has been wrecking me. I spent like hours in my room yesterday just devouring this. My, my daughter finished it this week and uh, said she was bawling at the end of it. And it ties into what I'm preaching on next week. We're in the murder mystery series. And next week, um, I'm t uh, speaking with a title of The Final Piece. The Final Piece. Um, this book is called Everybody Always by Bob Goff. Becoming love in a world full of setbacks and difficult people. And it's just phenomenal. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm having our team order books tomorrow. And in the first three minutes of service next week, in first and second service, I'm going to give away three of these books. And if you're here uh, before service, you'll get a coupon for half off of the book. Now, the book's only 11 bucks, so it'll be like $5.50 or $6 to purchase one. If you don't have 5 or $6, um, I'll let my wife buy you one. And uh, we'll, we want to get these into your hands. So if you're not here in the first three minutes, it's okay. Um, somebody's got to pay full price uh, to make it worth it. But you can get it out there. And if we run out, we'll just take your name and number and uh, get them for you the following week. It's an incredible book. Today is lots of announcements, right? Today is Addison's birthday. On today, Addison is 19. Today she turns 19. She's grown up so fast. It feels like just yesterday she was 18. And 
Anyway, wish her a happy birthday if you get a chance. Let's go to Scripture today. John 13, 31, 38 begins our text on a sermon I'm titling Identity Theft. Identity Theft. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. This is at the Last Supper. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Then we jump to John chapter 18, where we see Peter denying Jesus for the first time. Meanwhile, Simon Peter, oh, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to be the high priest. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. And he replied, I am not. In John 18, 25 through 27, we see the second and third denial. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. They asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And he denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the garden? And again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Father, we come before you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it has, has the power to bring life to our spirit. And I ask today that you will do only what you can do among us. In Jesus' wonderful name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Before you sit down, go ahead and hug somebody's neck, make some noise. You guys are a little too quiet today. So go ahead and be rowdy. And then you may sit down. to see the Avengers yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know you've all seen it. So, yeah, I'm, no, no, don't tease. I'm sure you have, you've all seen it. So I'm going to talk about the Avengers for a moment. Wow, when I said get rowdy, I didn't say belligerent. I am going to talk about the Avengers, but I'm not going to give anything away. I'm just simply going to say, It's awesome. Oh my God, it's so awesome. And if you've not seen it, you can buy me a ticket and I'll go with you again, three or four, five or six times. It is so amazing. I've always, I've always loved superhero movies. 
Although lately, some of the ones coming out, I, I have to say, maybe the older I get, the more lame I think they're becoming. Because I get tired of the fighting sequence that lasts 45 minutes, and no one ever dies. I'm like, at least someone, someone die. You know what I mean? And, and previous ones, I've kind of been getting bored. But, but the Avengers, no. The Avengers, it had me at Marvel. It, it, you know, and it's just like Marvel Comics, and it's opening, and you're like, okay, getting ready. And all these characters are in there, right? The Avengers, it's a, it's a lot of people, even people that I didn't really know who they were. I had to figure it out because I kind of feel lost in time somewhat. And I got really excited when I realized my favorite superhero was going to be in that movie. I, I love this superhero so much, like more than anything. This superhero is so exciting to me that like the movie just gets better if you just say this person is in it. Not the actor, the, the character, the superhero. How many think you know what my favorite superhero is? Gabe? Thor, how'd you know? Thor is, you know why? Because Thor's the best. Thor is the best. I say that there's God, then there's Thor. Really? Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Don't play semantics with me. It's God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, all them up there. But Thor's number four. If, if there were four horsemen gods, Thor would be number four because Thor is just amazing. I remember a few years ago, I did a sermon on Thor. I don't know if you remember. It's, Thor's got this hammer, right? He's got this hammer that looks amazing. And, and he's so strong. Thor is so strong. He picks up the hammer. Only Thor can move Move the hammer. He picks up the hammer, and he can jump high, and he jumps. And when he slams that hammer down, like the, the waves ripple out, and it just throws everybody back. And he can throw the hammer uh, all the way back to Jake, who said he wasn't coming to the murder mystery. And he could just throw it at Jake, and it could slap some sense into Jake to get to the murder mystery, and then come back. He's actually going to be out of town. Um, then the, the hammer comes back to Thor's hand. You remember this? I did a sermon on Isaiah 55, 11 one time, how that Thor is kind of like God, and that God will send his word out of his mouth, and it will go and accomplish that which he sent it to do, and then it will not return void. It's Thor's hammer. Come on, somebody. And so Thor is amazing. What's also super cool about Thor is that Thor can give his power to someone else. So Jasmine, if you needed to pick up that hammer for some reason, um, Thor would say, okay, I release to Jasmine my ability to lift the hammer. And so Jasmine would walk over and be able to lift the hammer, and she'd be able to throw it, and it would come back to Jasmine's hand because Thor has the capacity to give his gift to someone else. Thor's awesome. Thor's the man. Last night I was thinking about Thor. Not, not the whole movie, but just Thor and I started thinking about Bob the Builder. Bob, Bob the Builder had a hammer, didn't he? He had tools, yeah, Bob the Builder had tools. Then I started thinking about Fix-It Felix. You remember Fix-It Felix in Wreck-It Ralph? He had a little hammer and fixed everything that Wreck-It Ralph destroyed. Do you remember that? Very different hammer. I wonder if Fix-It Felix and Bob the Builder have self-image issues when they watch the Avengers. They look at their hammer. Look at Thor's hammer. Look at their hammer. 
at Thor's hammer. But the reality is, the hammer that they use is accomplishing the position that they need it to accomplish, right? Let's be real. Fix-It Felix could not lift Thor's hammer. And if he even used Thor's hammer, it would demolish everything worse than Wreck-It Ralph did. Fix-It Felix has to use Fix-It Felix's hammer. Say that three times fast. Fix-It Felix fixes things with Fix-It Felix's hammer. It's, it's right for him. Bob the Builder, Bob the Builder, if he carried around Thor's hammer, it would scare the children. He has to have the, the pretty little tools. Do you know? The pre-K pretty, pretty little tools. So Fix-It Felix and, and um, Bob the Builder have to be okay in their own identity Is that Reese? Oh, welcome to church, Reese. We love her. M. Sorry. Okay, speaking of identity issues, I'm sorry. It's Reese is a, a boy. Um, <clears throat> I think sometimes we give circumstances in the world too much power and authority over our identity. Like, like Thor is awesome and Thor is strong, but Thor has a purpose for the amount of power that he carries. Fix-It Felix is awesome and not as strong as Thor, but Fix-It Felix has authority for the amount of power that he carries and there is purpose in that. Same thing with Bob the Builder. And I wonder what happened here in our text with Peter. What happened to his identity? I mean, you guys know Peter, come on. Peter. He's like the bad one of the bunch. Not, not like Judas bad, but like tough bad. Like I can identify with Peter, not, not because I'm bad to the bone, but mainly because I get myself in trouble a lot like Peter does. You know, opening your mouth, inserting foot, realizing you're choking on it and you have to pull the foot out of your mouth and not say those things, do you know? Or, or you get a little bit upset and you talk before you think and then you kind of regret what you really said, even though you believe it but you probably shouldn't have said it in the way that you said it. Um, it's maybe a little too abrasive in that moment. Like, I, I can identify with Peter. But this seems so out of character for Peter to deny Jesus. Peter don't care what people think. Peter's not afraid either. Peter is the one in the garden who grabbed the sword from the soldier and cut off his ear. Now, let me just tell you, that takes a tough man to do that surrounded by guards, and you have the audacity to lunge for a sword and cut off one of their ears? Like, John wouldn't have done that. Thomas wouldn't have done that. Thomas would have doubted too much, and, and John would have said, oh, I just love him too much. And Like, Peter, going for it, fearless in the garden, but all of a sudden, he's now in the courtyard, and he's denying Jesus. Why did Peter have an identity crisis in that moment? We don't really know, to be honest. Scholars have different opinions. Some 
believe he was afraid because he saw that Jesus was about to get crucified and he didn't want to be crucified and captured himself. Some scholars believe that Peter was just setting the stage and trying to stay away from capture so that maybe there was another opportunity for him to be able to uh, rescue Jesus. Maybe it was done out of bravery. No one, no one really knows, but here's what I do know. He was going through some kind of identity crisis in that moment because just a few hours earlier, he told Jesus, I will never deny you. And within 24 hours, he did it not once, not twice, but three times. And then Jesus is murdered. What did Peter feel in those three days that Jesus was in the tomb? The one time, the one opportunity I could have stood up and stood with Jesus and like walked through fire with him and I ran. Who am I? I mean, he said upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. So the church is going to be filled with a bunch of wimps who run when things get tough. Peter, I don't even know you anymore. And then he began to remember what Jesus said in Matthew 10. And Jesus said earlier, whoever acknowledges me in front of men, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown them before my Father in heaven. Can you imagine the weight of this identity crisis that Peter is now going through? Not only did he deny Jesus, but now Jesus is murdered. And now Peter's remembering the fact that Jesus is going to deny Peter before the Father because I did it to him three times and he's kind of freaking out. But listen, God has so much more for our identity than for us to walk in identity crisis. So I want to help you learn from Peter's example. Number one, I don't know what was going through Peter's mind, to be honest but I can pull out a principle that I would have told Peter if he said any response like, these people are scaring me, or these people are making me uh, feel like I have to not be honest, or any other emotion. I would say to Peter, hey Peter, no one can make you feel anything. No one can make you feel anything. Say that with me, no one can make me feel anything. No one can make us feel anything. We choose to feel. We choose to feel angry. We choose to feel happy. We choose to feel joy. We choose to feel bitterness. We choose to feel unforgiveness. Now, I understand people can do something that's offensive, but it's your choice to pick up that offense. Or it's your choice to allow Jesus to bring healing to your heart. No one can make you feel anything. In fact, no one can make you feel happy and good and loved. That's part of our problem is that we're expecting others to fulfill what only Jesus can provide in our life. Have you ever been mad at your spouse or mad at your brother or sister or mad at, at someone? Like really, really mad and then they try to do something kind for you, and you don't want to receive it. It ticks you off that they were nice. 
How many? Come on. It's happened to me. Yeah, okay. It's happened. To, and everyone, everyone that has their hand down currently, you're still mad at your spouse and you don't want them to know that they're getting to you by being so kind. But they lay that kindness down and it's up to you to pick that kindness up and to receive the love that they're offering to you. You're not punishing them by rejecting the kindness. You're punishing yourself. No one can make you feel anything. Growing up, I had a, a lot of loss all at once. Uh, my best friend was killed in a car accident. My cousin died at my house while we were playing. Uh, my grandmother passed away. We had to put our horse down, which is a big deal to a 12-year-old. And um, my goldfish died, which wasn't a big deal. But when you add the goldfish on top of everything else, it's just one more thing that enemy points to. And I taught myself that I can't really love people because if I love people, I'm going to lose them. And so I built up walls and I, I tried to act like I knew what love was. And I, I tried to act like I loved people, but it came out in bursts of anger. And I know this is hard to believe, but up until the age, because I'm such a good, nice guy. But I was angry until the age of 20. So angry that my parents almost had to put me into a boy's home. I was just so disrespectful, so disobedient, yelled nonstop. Um, I, was, I was like the outsider, right? I was the victim, played the victim card in my family, and I made their life a living hell. Over the course of years, I found some healing, and even when I was dating Carrie and engaged, I asked her, what does love look like? What does love mean? Like, how do I know if I love you? And throughout the years in our marriage, I found myself distancing for no reason. She did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. But it was this tension of what does love even look like? And am I just playing games here? Or do, do I really love her? Do I really love my kids? Like, is this what love looks like? And so my heart began to crest over to self-protect over the course of maybe three times throughout my life, I had to give my per myself permission to feel again. Even as late as six months ago in February, I'd been wounded, picked up a fence, and I had to look myself in the mirror and put my hand on my heart and say, Trey, I give you permission to feel again. You see, no one can make me stop loving others but also no one can make me love others. It's a choice that I have to make. Point number two, no one can make or break you. No one can make or break you. Can I get an amen? You're like, we don't know what that means, Pastor. Well, let me tell you. Jesus said that he will build his church. Who is the church? You. You are the church. To, together, collectively, uh, we are the corporate church. Jesus came to build his church. No one can make you and no one can break you. If God wants to elevate you, you will be elevated. If God wants to humble you, you will find yourself in opportunities to find humility in your life and to flourish in your world. But man cannot elevate you and man cannot bring you down. If you are a child of God, no one can make you and no one can break you. This is great for identity. Because all of us fit into two categories today. 
one of two categories. Some of us on today are in identity crisis. Can you guys see this board? You are in identity crisis. Some of you here today are in identity security. Totally secure in your identity. Totally secure. Some of you here today, almost on a daily or weekly basis, bounce between crisis and security in your identity, right? Don't raise your hand. Don't say amen on this point, okay? Because I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. I'm just saying this is a very real thing that we sometimes have to deal with, vacillating between crisis and security. On day one, you feel really good about yourself and you feel confident and you feel like you can make things work and things go in your direction. And then the very next day, you're in crisis mode, like chicken little, the sky is falling, nothing's going to work out. All your friends hate you. Your parents don't even like you. Your mama likes everyone and she don't like you. You know what I mean? You're in crisis. You go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Now, I want to take a moment to say I'm not preaching about the vacillating back and forth. If that's you, I say two things to you. Number one, spend time in prayer and tell someone. And then number two, see a doctor. See a doctor. Because there are very real physiological concerns, medical concerns that can cause this. I knew a pastor once who got up in his pulpit and he cussed out the congregation like profanity, cussed out the congregation. We found out weeks later he had a brain tumor that was causing that erratic behavior. So if you find this going on, doctors are not a second-class healing. God can use the wisdom of man to bring healing to your body. He can also use exercise and eating well, right? But I'm not talking about going between the two. Um, I really... If it's not a medical issue or physiological concern, uh, more than likely it's going to be a spiritual route for you. And so I would highly suggest our renewal program so that you can settle on one of these. Like, it's better to know you're in crisis every day of your life than to vacillate between the two and wonder which side of the bed you're going to wake up on the next morning. It's better to be in, in the security side, but if you can't, be in security, it's better to at least know what your family's getting when you wake up in the morning, right? There's nothing more disturbing and disruptive to a family environment than to wonder how dad's going to act when he wakes up or how mom's going to act when she wakes up. Crisis. So maybe you're in crisis. Let's talk about that. Is this all right? When I talked about emotions, um, you choose, unless it's this, you choose to be in crisis or you choose to be uh, in security. It's a choice that we get to make. You have the freedom and the choice to choose crisis or security. Um, in our emotions, if we choose the wrong emotions, if we choose to let circumstances dictate how we feel, just as Dr. Claude was saying last week, we're living what? from the outside in. From the outside in. That means everything going around you, on around you, is affecting you. 
how your family treats you, how your family does things for you or does not do things for you, what your bank account looks like, what your relationships look like, what your work looks like, if you've gotten promotions lately or not. Everything on the outside is affecting your mood inside, and that's your choice. That is your choice. Can I just tell you? I've seen people with the worst outward circumstances have the greatest internal peace. Senny Wadler, my son in uh, Haiti. I've been to his home. He doesn't have running water. He doesn't have electricity. He showers by using, taking water from a cistern, going into the bathtub and using cups to get himself wet, lathers up, and then he washes himself off. Like, that's just part of life. And he's the happiest man. I can't even imagine. Like, that's a bad vacation to me. You know? It's a bad vacation when we go to a five-star hotel and the AC doesn't work for two hours. We get all bent out of shape and upset and calling management and wanting some kind of refund or compensation because our experience was somehow diminished. And I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't have five-star service in a five-star hotel. I'm simply saying that Cindy Wadler doesn't even have a half-star a service in his home that he lives in every single day. And I don't know a happier man than Cindy Wadler. He lives not from the outside in. He lives from the inside out. Inside out. That means it doesn't even matter what's going on around you, what's going on inside of you determines your level of identity, security, and peace. This, obviously, instability. Instability. Y'all might want to take notes because you're not going to read my writing later. You're not going to be able to read it. Stability over here. And then we talked about no one can make you or break you. Over here in crisis mode, if you feel like people can make you or break you, what happens is you go into people-pleasing mode. Do I have any recovering people-pleasers in the house? Just me. Okay. <clears throat> Over here, if we know that no man can make us, no man can break us, we get to be the best you. Best you. That's, that says you. Be the best you, the you that God made you to be. That means when you have security in your identity, you don't compare your fix-it Felix hammer to Thor's hammer. You understand that you have in your hands what God positioned in your hands and you're going to be the best you that you can be because that's exactly where God needs you. You don't have to compare your talents, your gifts, your history, your background, any of that. Not your bank account, not your clothes, not your car, not the town that you live in, not the number of friends that you have, not how popular you are. When you have identity, security, you're just the best you that you can be because there's no one else on earth that can be as good a you as you. Shall I turn this around? Here's what I love before I turn this around, actually. I love when Jesus, after he rose from the dead and he was making breakfast for the disciples and he looks over at Peter and he says, um, I think it's in John 21. He says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah, 
yes, Lord, I love you. And then the second time Jesus says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's getting a little concerned at this point. He's like, well, yeah, I just said, I love you. Yes, of course, I love you. And then a third time, not one, not two, but three times Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And by, by then Peter's like, hey, yes, of course I do. I mean, I know I proved myself to be a liar over here, but today I'm telling you, I'm reconfirming my commitment to you. I love you, Lord. And he says, then feed my sheep. Now, why did Jesus ask that question three times? It wasn't to get back at Peter. It wasn't to make him feel bad. It wasn't to manipulate him. It wasn't to give him a guilt trip. Peter may have thought that. What Jesus was doing was referencing back in Matthew when he said, if you deny me in front of others, I'll deny you in front of my father. Peter did that three times. So what Jesus got to do is say, three times he got to say, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes. Peter, do you love me? He said, yes. Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes, because whoever acknowledges the Lord in front of others will be acknowledged in heaven. So Jesus was resetting Peter's identity in that moment. And if you're like me, you need to go through some seasons of reevaluation for your identity as well. So here's what I do. I look at my life and I realize that I can't, this says identity. I can't, I can't go to you and say, hey, Jenny, I just need to be encouraged. What's something good about me? And she'll say something like, Trey, you're the best preacher I've ever heard in my life. And I'll say, really? Tell me more. No, I'm serious. You're funny. You're, you're serious. You, you keep it somewhat engaging, and you reach all kinds of levels of ages. I just love your preaching. Oh, thank you, Jenny. That, that really means a lot. But you know what? If I feed on the compliments of Jenny, once I forget what she said, I'm now hungry again. And Jenny doesn't have the power. Jenny may say great things, but she doesn't have the authority and the power to give me a, a lasting identity where I know who I am, whether you say I'm great or whether Jenny says, you know, Trey, you really missed the mark today. So I had to ask the Lord, what's my identity in this season of my life? And it doesn't always mean what I'm doing well. Sometimes it means that I'm looking through the eyes of faith. For example, maybe one of mine in this season is boldness. I found myself so wrapped up in critique and things. It was easier for me just to pretend it didn't exist and cover up my head in the bed rather than to hit it head on. But the Lord says I'm bold. 
The Spirit of God that is inside of me says that the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. I have no reason to be shy. I have no reason to be timid. I, need, I have no reason to be afraid of the words of men and women. I have, I have no reason to not be bold. So part of my superpowers in this character sketch of Thor the second, Thor squared, that's even better. My superpower is boldness. Boldness. Another of my superpowers that the Lord showed me is faithfulness. And this actually... um, Faithfulness partnered with consistency. I've never had a problem being faithful. Um, Consistent. But I've had a problem. Um, I'll, I'll give you a real life example. I, I'm a procrastinator. I hate it. I do my, I'll, even in college, I did my best work. I could knock out a 20 page paper the night before it was due. I just, I work good under pressure. But doing that causes other people that work with me to have to work faster than they're comfortable with. Um, so being consistently on time for me, being consistently uh, incremental is one of the things that God is speaking over my life right now. Uh, faithfulness, um, faithfulness is no, knowing when to walk away for me. Like being faithful to the things that God has called me to be faithful to, and knowing when that season is over is what He's He's doing in me right now, and that's one of my my uh, superpowers. Another one. Um, what's another one? Joy. That's a superpower. I'm a pretty fun guy, um, but I'm also this is what's difficult. I'm an I'm an extroverted introvert. So I'm an extrovert when I have to be, and I'm on platform or I'm acting and doing theater and in gr- groups of people where I have to perform. But then when I get home, I'm sitting on the couch and I just need I need like 30 minutes of no one talking to me. Like I've used by Sunday afternoon. I've used every word that I have for the entire week, right? Because I've preached for an hour. I'm like done, I'm done. Um, so there is a tendency if I live from the outside in and in crisis mode, there is a tendency for me to lose my joy when I'm tired, when I'm frustrated, when I'm just done, when I've just had enough. So joy is one of my superpowers. And then another superpower that I have is trust. I'm learning to love people even when I realize it may end up in getting wounded. I used to build walls. You know, remember I told you the story of my, my childhood? Um, this is actually one of my stronger superpowers in the moment is loving people through their mess and me not being afraid of losing them and loving them even if, right? So I want to teach you real basic level and I know time's up. Get out your your smartphones, please. I want to teach you how to build your own. You're going to help me finish building mine, by the way. My superpowers, my uh, character sketch. And then I'm going to write this on my mirror, just so that you know. And I'm going to read it out loud to myself every morning and every night. 
but you go to Google My wife says hi. Um, anyway, you go to Google and you type in scriptures on blank. So whatever, whatever is your superpowers, okay? And, and by the way, no one else can tell you your superpowers. Your spouse cannot tell you your superpowers. You can't ask opinions. The only person you can ask is Jesus. You have to ask him what the superpowers are. And you make a list. It can be three, it can be four, and they can change over time. It can be seven, whatever it is that you want. But then you go to Google and you type in scriptures on boldness, for example. And it'll show you a scripture. Here's the one I'm going to write. I've already selected one for boldness. It's Hebrews 13.6. Hebrews 13.6. This one is uh, actually a perfect fit. Because Hebrews 13, 4 says, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? It's awesome. So I get to even use my Thor voice on that one. All right, who, who's going to help me and find something on faithfulness or consistent? Come on, somebody. Google it. Scripture's on faithfulness or consistency. Just choose one and shout it out to me. Yeah, Emily, shout it out. What is it? What's First Kings? What? I love First Kings. Personally, I like Second Kings even better. But you should read read them both together. It's such a good story. What? what I'm sorry. What'd you say? I got sidetracked. Three through four. Give me the gist of it. What does it say? That's awesome. Back in the day, we used to say, um, keep on keeping on. Who remembers that saying in church? Keep on keeping on. Yes, I remember that. All right, who has one for joy? Someone look up joy. Oh, Pedro, you have one. Yes. Oh, man, James is my favorite book of the Bible. I hate to say that because it's such a nasty book. Like it's just, James is just like to the point. Um, James one twenty two is my favorite verse of all time. What, what'd you say? Two through three. James, James is such a good book. Oh my God. What, what's it say? Mm. Love it. Love it. Anyone have one on trust? Uh, let me choose someone else right here. Psalm 13:5 What's it say? Mm, love it. So then what I do, I print these out, put them on my mirror, wherever I want to put them, and I read my character sketch cuz it gives me motivation. You know, actors say, right Pedro, actors say what's my motivation? And so when we go through our life throughout the day, you read this character sketch before you start your day, and this is your motivation for the day. So I will walk in boldness. I will walk in faithfulness and consistency. I will walk in joy, and I will walk in trust. Those are your superpowers. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I thank you so much 
for who you are and what you're doing in our church. God, I just, I thank you, God, that you look at each one of us as a superhero. We are your favorite superhero. And I ask that you would just help us over the coming hours and days to develop a character sketch that shows us the way you see us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Can you give Jesus a hand clap this morning? Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how God is moving in your life. Share your story by visiting theexchangechurch.org and click on connect to contact us.